Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. I'm so excited about today. I'm so excited about introducing you to my very special guest today. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, but let me just give you the punchline in my mind. When I think about Dr. Luke, Dr. Luke Lapete, one of the things I think about is what? Co-founder of Dead White Zombies? Yes. Totally right there. I got it. I get it. Uh, it is an award-winning theater group, but he's much more than that. And I say that because if you if you take a look at, I'm just going to hold it up for a minute there, Benny and Jacob and Olivia, right? If you take a look, I mean, just look at the cover if you could, right? Can you guys see that? Do I have it up there okay? Right? Got it. This is the book we're going to talk about, but we're going to talk about more than the book, Machine Intelligence and the Unimaginable Realm. Why is it? that some of us are really drawn to some aspects of the world we live in today. And then we're drawn to aspects of the world we live in today and the machine aspects of the world we live in today. So I asked Dr. Luke what his favorite movie is. And we're going to start out with that. Both of us are going to talk about our favorite movies. And the reason we're going to talk about our favorite movies, because you will not be surprised about how they tap into the idea of reanimation, mechanical man, and what our pop culture, Hollywood, Bollywood, whatever the wood is, has now on their radar, we cannot make a movie unless we have this element included. And the element we're talking about is exactly the element that he is putting into his book and his platform. Uh, trial attorney, you'll hear it in a minute, but we are ready to kick this thing out of the park. May I call you Dr. Luke? Oh, boom, boom. I, I feel like we're, uh, we're watching a rocket launch. I love it. Um, I, and, I, and I love your energy and thank, thank you, you for having me here. Greatly appreciate you. Let's get right into it. You know, I want to start with our favorite movies because they are telling. And I, I get asked that question a lot. And, you know, I could point to a handful of them, right? But when it comes to machine and machine intelligence, there's one movie for me that stands out. And every time I mention it, people are like, oh, we knew that is so you, so weird. We knew that of all of the machine movies, we thought you'd pick Terminator, but you didn't. You, you picked uh, Ex Machina. Oh, uh, a wonderful film. Right. And right. Vanderkamp, oh, oh, Vander amazing actress, right? But you have a favorite movie. So let's start there. I do. Uh, my favorite movie, as you can see from my tie, is The Great <laughs> Empire Strikes Back mm -hmm. from 1982 and 81-82. Uh, uh, it, it, it did it for me. I mean, it did it for me as a child and it does it for me as a 42 year old man. <clears throat> and the reason why it did it for me is because you've got, you, you've got two of the most epic cinematic scenes in, in movie history with Luke going into the cave at Dagobah and defeating really himself and looking at, at the mechanical man in Darth Vader and decapitating it. Um, to find out his, his true spirituality, to go from mechanical man to spiritual man. Yeah. And then at the very end, uh, it, it recapitulates what happened in the, the foreshadowing of the cave in Darth Vader telling him that I am your father, right? And, but the deeper part of that is Luke begins to realize that he's in control, 
when he decapitates Darth Vader, it shows him what? It shows the face of himself. Yeah. I love that we're talking about this because part of this, you know, for me, and you've done it in your book, you absolutely have brought in the imaginal realm, which so often we want to tear it apart. And we want to say mechanical over here, spiritual over here, imaginable somewhere over here. But I don't really and never understood why. Why we can't really look at it all. You know, and this is really so important for me to talk with you about. Because this idea of mechanical man, it's almost as if we want to call it mechanical man without spirit right? I mean, even Schwarzenegger had a heart. Right, right, right. Even Arnie had a heart, right? (laughs) With all all the carnage that he did. But but you're right. I mean, you hit it right on the head. Uh, We when we talk about mechanical man, it's for me, mechanical man is multi layered, right? I mean, you can look at mechanical man and you can say, Well, on a very simple level, it just means materialism, that matter was here before mind and that matter creates the brain and creates the mind. Not, no, not true. Uh, That's not true. Or at least that's what the theorists and the inventors of machines and uh, thinking machines have been telling us for the past 150, 200 years. But there is a chasm between mechanical man and spiritual man. There's a deep chasm. And so how do you get from mechanical man to spiritual man is what ultimately was the quest that the mechanical man in machine intelligence goes on. And when I talk about mechanical man and the quest that he or she goes on, I'm talking about all of the inventors that tackled artificial intelligence and cybernetics. Now, I want everyone to know cybernetics is basically any and all relationships between robots and humans. Uh, Coined by Norbert Wiener in the the late 40s, early 50s, he gave it a definition. And definitions are important because now there's a field of study for it that other people had been calling, you know, very mysterious. And go ahead. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and I want to really get down with this because Jessica and I went on a, a, a very special event a couple of years ago, right, right at the, before the, the co- I call it the COVID, right before there, right? I in my book. <laughs> yeah, I, I call it the COVID coven, but that's a whole nother show. We can get into that later. But we had something happen really upbeat and positive, which actually changed the direction of, my, of this network. You know, this is a network that at the moment has one channel and the potentiality for unlimited channels, right? We built our own technology. If you said to me, hey, hey, Dr. P, I want my own channel and I want it to be about machine intelligence, a whole channel, like all full of like all sorts of people. Most of the time, people would say you couldn't do it. Um, For us, we'd say, give us your domain name and we'll have it up in 24 hours. I love it. But you that, that, well, that's the point of my book. That's what I'm. That's why I'm sharing it with you. There's, there's no limit. There, there is no limit to what we, we are, Doctor Pat. We are, are, are taking back the human imagination. Yeah. Finally, people are waking up to take back the human imagination. Yeah. And in, in the book, I go into to detail about. I, I think we were there around. 1968 and 69 and then uh, i mean dr king is killed what 4468 and bobby is killed 6668 uh, if i'm not mistaken and then uh, the the computer hal is showed uh, in uh debuts uh 124 or 25 1968 you have you've got such a transition and the new age thinkers of that time period coming along and then they're just snuffed out by the nixon administration and i don't want to get into politics you know oh but you're you're preaching to the choir because you see there was some snuffing that happened and then there was some snuffing that you couldn't snuff out i mean you couldn't snuff us out 
you know, the movement that happened during that age is so perfect the way you're describing it. Because when I, I, I mentor young people, and I mentor people of all ages, but I mentor people in addiction and recovery. But when I talk to them and try to bring them back in time and just give them information, there's a misconception that we are old school and that we didn't relate to technology. But let me ask you this, Dr. Luke, if you go back in time and it's primitive compared to where we are today, like big IBM machines, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Grace Hopper, right? That entire chapter on Grace Hopper, she was yes. She was having to manage these huge room computers. I call them room computers because they take up an entire room, right? And, and she was having to manage that with the Mark I. And at the same time, uh, Howard Aiken told her, you have to figure out how to educate this computer. And not only did she did, do that, Grace Hopper, look up the name, remember yeah. the name. Yeah. One of the most important mythological figures of cyber technology and led to the internet, um, led to YouTube. She works with Mark One, the computer, and she gives it a language. She gives it COBOL. She's the inventor yeah. of COBOL and gives the computer a language so that, that it can communicate with other computers. And she also remembers... That's another great thing about the mechanical man. You have to have, you know, memory is so important, right? And I know memory is so flawed. We could have another show on that. But, <laughs> but, but, but the, the memory. You're, you're uh, going to have to come back and be a regular because we are not getting all this in in an hour. Oh, I know. I know. Well, I appreciate that. I'll be back. But, but the Mark One, she's given the task of allowing it or, or giving it the ability to learn for itself. Yeah. And, and, and she even harkens back to, to how we need interchangeable parts. So these, these computers can communicate with each other. We need to go back to the days of Eli Whitney and, and McCormick and, and Oliver Evans and their invention of interchangeable parts and in the American system of manufacturing. So the, the book is multifaceted in that way, in that it, yeah. it, it shows you both the history, but it also gives you a feel. Yeah. And, you know, I love talking about this because what the book does in, you know, a number of different ways, I love the way you take us through prophecy, my language. I think the chapter is called The Prophet. It is. I, okay. Got it. Um, but I, I love this and I love the references that you make in this. This is this is also a book of other books you've written, right? Chronicles of a Curious Mind. It doesn't matter. You know, there's a message inherent in who you are and what you're bringing to the world. And I want to take a short break, right? And when we come back, I want to talk about what we have done to limit our possibilities by holding on to beliefs that say we have to pick one or the other, mechanics or spirituality. But what happens when you pick both? And I'm going to tell you from our perspective when we come back what we've called it. And Dr. Luke is going to take you through what is really the realm of spiritual, mechanical, humanity, integrity. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Know your own divine magic and extend peace and love to all with Reiki master and author Brett Bevel. Brett offers empowering solutions with energy healing modalities, magical awakening, and psychic Reiki. Brett's latest book, Healing Racism Within, A Lightworker's Guide, draws on his own journey of growing up in a racist community and healing childhood trauma. For more on the most cutting-edge energy healing techniques, visit brettbevel.com. The truth is funny. Shift happens with monthly guest host Karen Benton. Tune in for powerful conversations about health and wellness. Karen brings unique insights rich with humor and science to her discussions with experts in medicine, movement, psychology, spirituality, and so much more. Don't miss Karen on The Truth is Funny every third Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about Karen, visit KarenBetton.com. 
Do you question what an authentic life really looks like? Tune in to The Alley Effect with Allison Blythe, authentically living life your way. Every first and third Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com, where Allison Blythe brings you tools, resources, and actionable steps toward your very best life. Take responsibility for your own happiness. For more about Allison, visit Allison, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N, Blythe, B-L-Y-T-H-E dot com. Are you curious about who the Holy Spirit is or whether or not the Holy Spirit is real? And even more so, how to connect with an invisible God on a deeper level? Join me, Dr. Lisa Kohut, on Making the Holy Spirit Famous every second and fourth Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific and 4 p.m. Central Time on TransformationTalkRadio.com to begin that relationship, to begin to deepen your relationship with the Holy Spirit. To work with me, go to HolySpiritCoach.com. See you soon. Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Stop circling around difficult issues and find out what's been holding you back. Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy O'Bear. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy O'Bear. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. Tune in to Knowledge Book Radio with host Marge Patasek the fourth Tuesday each month at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Through many experiences, Marge was led to the Knowledge Book, a gift to humanity in its transition to the golden age that provides truth and answers. She now shares information from the Knowledge Book with you monthly on TransformationTalkRadio.com on Knowledge Book Radio. For more information, visit USA.TheKnowledgeBook.net. Net. Hey, everybody, welcome. Grab it's so great to have all of you tune us in, turn us on. We got a great lineup for you today machine intelligence in the imaginable, um, imaginal realm. And thank you, Ashley, and our friends at Inner Traditions again for sending Dr. Luke our way. Before we keep going, let's take a minute to mention a couple of things. How do people find out more about you? Most importantly, how did they get a copy of, of the book? Uh, and all the other things you're doing. Give us the best way to do that, if you could. Okay, you can you can get a copy of the book. It's out on Amazon on every every distributor uh, that I that you can think of, or just go to innertraditions.com and you can find the book there. And uh, what did you you wanted to know what what I'm up to or how people can find me? You know, <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I'm, I'm about the most chill person you'll ever meet. So just email me at drlucaslafitte at gmail.com. I don't have a website up. I'm not pr- promoting myself or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but D-R-L-U-C-A-S-L-A-F is in Frank, I-T-T-E at gmail.com. Email me and I will get back to you. Yep. And then you could also find out more about some of the other things that Dr. Luke is doing. You know, I want to get back to this question of, at least my experience has been growing up in this day and age, you know, this disconnect that never made sense to me, like between science, mechanical and spirituality. Now, I will tell you this. I come from a family. My dad was a mechanic and machinery we built motorcycles in our living room. Just wow. saying. Wow. He had three girls until the brother. And so we were, go get me the quarter inch wrench. You know, grease this, pull the spark right. plug out of that. Right. So people say that's unusual for somebody like me. But we are really doing ourselves a disservice by compartmentalizing unlimited possibility energy unlimited potential yes unlimited and i I mean and and in the book i talk about how the mechanical man goes about harnessing other energies right how the american techno cybernetic history is about harnessing energies and seeing how they fit into into consciousness how they affect how they affect how people are aware of their environment and aware of th- thyself. 
And so you go from electricity where, where people thought their homes would blow up if, if they were, you know, hooked up to the grid. <laughs> and then you go to the, the terrible fear of atomic warfare and atomic bombs, which we're, we're still dealing with today. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, in, in our face. We're, yeah. Materialism is just throwing it in our face and saying, look at how we've reduced everything down to nothing. But on the other hand, we have these great bombs that we can, we can, you know, destroy the world with. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a fascinating tale. And uh, it's one that I'm so grateful that I was able to tell. It took me 15 years to get this book done. I was just going to ask you, I was going to ask you that question because, you know, robust would be an understatement for the book, you know, to really describe it. But I had a moment this year and I, and I just want to touch upon it for, with you. The moment I had was, albeit a Saturday Night Live skit, uh where oh, always huh oh, yeah. always i'm sorry it's it's, yeah, I, <laughs> and there's elon musk and he's like the deal and the minute that he briefly referenced himself to being on the spectrum it opened up a whole world uh for so many people that see this man who is in the world of unlimited possibilities. And yet the humanity part of us would look at that thing and call him less than. And this is the thing I wanna talk with you about because there's something about mechanical man and mechanics that allows a human, regardless of the labels we wanna put on them to step into a different realm. And, and we see this in studies, we know this. We know that there are some children that have been diagnosed in the human way as this, that, or the other thing, and they can do math faster than any human on the planet. But I wanna ask you this question. Your book lays out a game plan for us to step into spiritual freedom. That has got to be such an end game for, for, for us, doesn't it? Oh, it's got to be the end it's game. Gotta be. It, 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 the end game has to be this Jungian self-individuation of, of the, the the human heart and and what you're do, how you're affecting other people. And we have to take responsibility for everything. That that that's the 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 great quote in the book of the Nag Hammadi Gospels, the book of Thomas, you know, if, if, if you search, you will be troubled, right? But if you still search, you will find it and you will rule over all. And he's talking about how you have to be shocked. You have to be shocked off of your rear end to realize that almost everything you've been told in this materialistic paradigm is backwards. When it, when it comes to emotions and feelings and love and how to interact with other human beings. Yeah. And are you surprised that one of my favorite reads are, is uh, the gospel, you know, the, the common phrase is the gospel according to Thomas. Mm -hmm. But growing up and even later on as an adult, I never understood why this particular insight writing was left out. Right? Well, I'll tell you why. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I, I now know. Yeah, now you a lot know. Of people that don't know about this. And boy, I'll tell you, it's enlightening. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It, it's. It's gonna light. It, it will light any mind on fire, if if you if you you really dig into it and you really look at it objectively. Right now, my whole book is about how important subjectivity is, and yes, that's true. So when I talk about objectively looking at something, I'm talking about approaching it with unconditional love, and that's the agape aspect at the end of the book. You have to approach everything with unconditional love or or the information that you get is going to be skewed. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and let's talk about the energy. Since you brought it up, since you brought it up, I love that you did. Let us talk about the energy. I don't want to go into definitions or words. There is an energy of unconditional love. There's an energy. There's an energy that can do amazing things. When you are in more, that place. More amazing than atomic energy. Unbelievable. Because what you've been able to put on paper and what we're talking about today is not just a pathway, as you say in the book, to spiritual freedom, but it is that line from the matrix when he's sitting there with the kid with the spoon and he's the kid is like he's looking at the spoon bending yeah. and i remember in uh interviewing yuri geller and i in and he's watching the kid do it and the kid says oh no you have to look at it like there is no spoon see right. that it, what are we doing here it's a reanimation it is like you say in the book but spiritual freedom according to what you've written at least i hope i'm getting this right you're getting all of it right that's Dr. got Dr. to be your gateway because if you if we can help people get there there's nothing we're not going to be able to do there's nothing that collectively we can't do yeah yeah of of, of course if if the individuals get there and like I say in the book, by any means possible, by any means possible, and that doesn't mean unjust means, right? It means still you're acting out of agape love. You're still acting out of unconditional love for yourself, for yourself. That's the beautiful paradox. You're acting out of conditional love for you, but also everybody else out there is a quasi-God as well. And you're, you're nothing more than yourself pushed out. So that person out there on, on the street, that's going to be you one day when you have to endure and you have to basically be everyone that has ever been existing from time immemorial. Yeah, I want to ask you this question because it really begs this next question for me. Um, I kind of gave away the ending of the book there, but I hope that's okay. But I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going to make it a spoiler. But, but part of this, then, if I, if we were to look at this, is you know, most of my life, I've been called an optimist. I've been called naive. Let's just say there's all those naive. words, right? Naive, yep. uh, whatever that is. But here's what I want to ask you: We have created roadblocks and i say we have created them because we i believe we have we've created roadblocks in the way of beliefs in the way of evidence that we think is evidence we have created roadblocks that prevent us from even considering the conversation you and i are having and that's what i want to help people with today how do we peel back that onion so that everybody listening can experience the energy of spiritual freedom, right? Do you know what I mean when I say that? I, I, know, I know exactly what you mean because I, I, I always give an example of, uh, you know, Saul and Paul on the road to Damascus, right? Well, after he had had his, his coming to God and started seeing people as God-like figures instead, and he says, I no longer saw people as human beings. From then on, I saw people as God. And after he says that, he comes up to the Roman soldier and their, their consciousnesses are so different, they can't even communicate. That's how different it is, okay? That they can't even communicate. So yeah, communication, control, information, that's what I start the mechanical man out with. And so we have to figure out a way to communicate with each other in a way that that doesn't denigrate you or the the person that you're talking to when you tell them there's so much more out there for you there is, don't get down don't get distraught i i understand your depression but there it can it can it, it can change like a thief in the night 
right? Yeah. Your entire paradigm can change in a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, it leads me to the next conversation, which I think is important to have. And it is this idea of fear. You know, what we have done to literally uh, idolize fear in a way that it has become sort of the essence of energetic excuses for things. Now, trust me when I say that I've had different points in times in my life where it, the fear was real. You know, when you're standing at the other end of a gun, that's like a real thing. But even in those moments, you are still at a choice point for how you're going to respond to it. And, you know, nobody did it better, I think, if I think about people than P, uh, uh, Peace Pilgrim. You know, she walked and she hitchhiked and there's stories about peace, but she got in the cab with a serial killer. And when you read about what she did with that, and she knew that she was on her way to death, but what she responded with, serial killer, truck, her, was love. That's it. That, that's the upside down version, the Alice in Wonderland version that I'm trying to get through to people is that love is not this just ephemeral force that that comes and goes and that has everything to do with with intercourse and attractiveness no no you have to begin looking at it as people looked upon electricity or or steam energy before that and then atomic energy and then nanotechnology and now Agape love. Imagine if we looked at agape love like we look at atomic energy or gas and oil and electricity. What that would do to light up the world in a totally different way than electricity, right? It would light up the hearts of people. And, and we're, we're not being naive. We, under, we understand that, that there's problems out there, right? And there may always be problems out there. But those of us that come to agape and come to understand agape we won't have our we won't have any problems at all because we can we can go through it with grace we can go through it with mercy and we can come out on the other side learning a lesson from whatever tribulation yeah. or furnace that we've been put through and, and i love the way you wrote this book because you know as I read it, your references to what millions of people relate to, especially in the fourth dimension is calling us part of the book. Yeah. You know, I, I had to go back and read over and over again, you know, the conversation that, you know, the, the, the uh, omnipotent cue. So I, the, the, right? the, the, he said the trials never end. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yes. And, and that's another big aspect of the book is the banality and boredom of the mechanical man. And yet, out of all of the characters, if I might say, my Trekkie friends, Kim, I know you're listening to this. You like you are like the, at the top of that food chain. And yet, why was I fascinated with the board? What was my fascination with the Borg? Was it because was it because the Borg, but because the let me just say the Borg representative was female? That was a little shocking. Right. That was a little what? What are you doing? Right. Like, that should be like a man. No, we're gonna make we're gonna make that that one. Or was this how, how did that how did that make you feel as a woman? Oh my God. I, I mean, clearly I remember the board, but you know, we're playing it out. I mean, we're playing it out also in, and, and hello. I wish you were still here. Stan, Stan Smith. I wish you were still here uh, with Marvell because what did he, what was created in the right. whole Marvell universe? Who is the protagonist, female mechanical, mm -hmm. a woman? Right? So you got the two sisters. Well, she turns to be a good person, but still fascinated. Well, fascinating. I mean, mind blowing, right? 
Just well, mind. Stan Lee. I didn't mean Stan Smith. Stan Lee. But I mean, fascinating. And, 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 and Stan, Stan Lee. And Stan Lee is in my book. He's another yes, one. Yes. He's another one of those innovators that looked into a, the abyss and looked into his own depression and came out, out on the other side with these larger than life characters, right? Yeah. But but I don't want to diminish the value of what you just said about the Borg woman, right? Being yep. in charge of it. Yep. And and, and shock so, the world. Shock the world. Back in the day. Yeah. Um, because in order for us to step into spiritual freedom, it is my belief, we have to let go of the limitations we put on people that we have categorized in our humanness. Whether you say people of color, whether you say man or woman, whether you say child or adult, the minute we start to put a category on someone, we run the risk of desensitizing their potentiality. And we have to get out there and let them know that they have the exact same potentiality as anybody else in the world. That, that, that the, divine, the divine spark is within them. And that once they find that fragmented divine spark, they, it's like the hologram that I talk about. When you cut up a hologram into many pieces, every piece does what? It still has the entire hologram in it. Yeah. Okay. That's what human beings are. We're a fragmented hologram. You know, I love this because we learn this from our children and then we teach our children not to learn that. You <laughs> Did you get what I just said? That was a little long yeah. sentence, yeah. right? Right. Uh, right. I'm fortunate for the way I was raised. Um, Me too. Me too. There's a, um, there's a, a an image, a sketch that I shared on air not too long ago when I was uh, talking with Amy, uh, Amy and Monty, and because they were talking about how we channel the spiritual nature of things, but we can do it in a mechanical way. And and here's my question for you, because if we think about what comes through us, right? What, what we channel, what, what frequency and vibration we're holding. Right, and right. we all do, by the way. Oh, we all do. We all no do doubt it. about that. I mean, I, I know from doing jury trials, I yes. can see, I can see what frequency and vibration people are at. That's why I'm a, a, a good trial attorney. And no kidding, right? And yet, we continue, and maybe your book and your work will help us. We continue between the us and them. These kids, this generation, I mean, come on. My next in line, when I decide to go out next year on my own, she's 31. Or, you know, age has no place no in the world place. of possibilities. You, right. you know, but yet, we want to tell people that. Here's the thing I want to ask you. I want you to talk about Carl Jung, Dr. Carl Jung for a minute. I would be remiss if we didn't chit chat about him. Uh, there's a letter. You can get your hands on it. Um, it's one of the few letters that you actually get to hear Carl Jung, not be this Carl Jung doctor guy. It's in response to a letter Bill Wilson wrote him. I've read that. Read the letter. Read the letter. Now, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to give you a short version. 12-step programs, Bill W., and in the 12-step programs, there is a part of it, which is almost all of it, everything about it, they say this is a spiritual program. Where did that idea come from? Carl Jung. Carl Jung. Yeah. It came Why? from... It came from... Roll and H. Yep. And, and the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount. Carl says in this letter, and... And honestly, if you could be in front of him now, you'd be able to help him. Because he says something in the letter that was so unexpected to me. First of all, it took Bill W. 30 years to write him a thank you note and kept that the greatest secret in the 12-step programs that Jung actually came up with spiritual experience. Hello. But he says... Well, let me make one time out. Before yes, go ahead. Go ahead. There, in, in one of the chapters, I do lay out a new 12-step program. Yes, for 
that's for, why I'm bringing it up with you. For, for, for normies that, you know, they call uh, uh, us people that can drink a few beers normies. Um, but, totally there. That's why I'm actually bringing it up. Okay, okay. good. You're, you. you're, you're the master. You're, you, no, you got thank everything. you for doing this. But you remember in the letter where, where Jung says, I wish I could have done more. He basically is saying, I felt my hands are tied. Now, if, if one of the most powerful. That hit me like a ton of bricks when I read What did that. you make of that? Can I just I, ask I, you? What I made of that is that he's, he, he's basically saying, there's limits to what I can do. Yeah. That Wait. to me is the, is the punchline of the book, if, you, if I could. Maybe this is a spoiler. Go ahead. You're creating an invitation to take off the shackles of the I wish I could do. I can't do this. I may never. I can't let go of fear. I don't know how to step into unlimited possibilities. If I literally did what I loved in life, I probably wouldn't make money. Hello. This is what we feed ourselves. That is not the world. That is not the world that you're talking about here. Tell us. Tell us. There's only one sin, okay? And the only sin that that these great thinkers can come up with, from Richard Feynman to Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Grace Hopper, Tesla, Edison, the one ultimate sin is self-doubt. Yeah, that's a killer. That has been my Achilles heel. That's it. And and you're going to destroy yourself with self-doubt and talking yourself out of things. Now, if if you're in pure agape mode, and I I love in the gospel of, uh, I think it's Peter or or maybe Thomas, where where they talk about, well, I'm going to put on the perfect person and go out now, right? (laughs) And what they're what they're saying is, I'm going to to go into this type of consciousness where I look at everyone not as a brother or sister, but where I look at them as my children that I want that I want to cultivate and bring up. And by children, that this child that I go out and see could be 78 years old, 98 years old, but he's he or she is still a child to me that is hurting. Yeah. That is hurting. And and I, I I the people that read my book are the ones that are going to read my book, right? I mean, that's <laughs> but it, there's a deeper meaning to that in the fact that the people that read my book are going to be able to save themselves. And I, that I'm confident of that. I'm confident of that. Look, I love that we're talking about. And, and you do bring this up and there's so much in the book. I mean, honestly, I had to go back and read it again, but I've saved this little part to what we're talking about now. Um, when one of my mentors told me who, what, what one of my totem was, my indigenous totem was, I remember being around a circle and everybody got like a really cool thing, really cool animal totem, right? Right. And they come to me. What they give you? <laughs> I got a couple of them, but this one at the time I didn't appreciate. I do appreciate it now. And she came to me, my mentor, who this woman changed my life. She passed away unexpectedly on a trip that I was supposed to be on with her in a car accident. Mm. She came to me and she laughed and she had that grin and the headband and we're in the high desert and I'm filthy and bitten by bugs and it's the end of like no food and division and the whole thing. She says, and you, you're the coyote. You get the trickster. And then I'm reading your book and I'm like, yes. That's how, that's how you are. (laughs) You, you bring people to the edge and you never go over the line. Right. But, But you bring them to the edge of their thinking and you allow them to look at the chasm and the abyss of it. So they can come back with the boon of, I'm sure every, well, now I understand you as a person. It took, <laughs> it, it, took uh, it took us 48 minutes, 49 minutes for me to understand you as a person. And I love you. 
<laughs> but in that moment, all of the thoughts, oh my God, he got this one, she got that one. And I get the coyote that's been bugging the crap out of all of us the entire trip here. But there is this place that you're inviting us to. And I would love for you to talk about it for, for the time we have left. The minute we give up our imagination, I believe, and I think you're telling us in the book, we might as well be cutting off our air supply. And we've now come to the place where we think about technology and people that use technology as not imaginative, as not creative. And see, the more we keep trying to divide ourselves, the less we'll get to the spiritual freedom, I think. What do you think? Oh, I think you're right. There, there's a deep mythology embedded in the history of technology and science in America. Um, it, if you pick up a history book, it, it may be uh, boring to you, but when you figure out the people behind the ideas and how they had to struggle to get to the ideas that came into their head and how they had to talk within their own inner speech yeah. to get to that level of understanding whatever they were looking at, for, for me, these people are, these pioneers and prophets are looking at thinking machines. And so, of course, if you're dealing with thinking machines, guess what you have to look into? Your own thinking machine. The, the, vi the vital machine that is you, the human body. And so you're, you're holding up a mirror that entire time. No wonder why Grace Hopper went on drinking binges. And almost killed herself. I think all of us that have ever gone down this path have had that history. Certainly of my course. mom did. Of my mom, my mom had me. She was at the time an alcoholic and a drug addict from a, you know, not, not because my dad had to keep her quiet. So what right. you did with women, unless you made them into like the Borg, what you did with them was you just fed them and numbed them. And, you know, but she was so full of love. See, that's the thing that- Oh, you and, I bet, she, and I bet she was so full of intellectual curiosity too. Oh right? my God, she, my dad had to get her property so she could start her own store. And Dr. Pat, that's the point that th yes. this, this passion and agape love, it comes out as creativity. It, it. Comes, it comes out as invention. It comes out as inventions to help everyone. That's your Elon Musk. That is. Now, here's a question for you. So not directly about the book, but it's a question I've been asked and it's a question what people contemplate. I've been doing this 20 years, myself and there were two other women that decided we were gonna create a new kind of talk radio. Yes, that's really true. There were like five of us at the time where we just didn't understand talk the way it was back then, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Rob and Brenda, they're also here. Uh, uh, and then uh, Patricia Raskin and myself, and we all started this out 20 years ago. I don't come from this background. It's not something I just wanted to help people live life out. My life was, was really full of challenges, obstacles that I overcame and it made me stronger. Perseverance is what I learned. But what I want to talk with you about is I get asked the invariable question, and I'm sure this comes up for a lot of people. Pat, what would you do if you've lost everything? And I used to answer that question. And now what I say, I don't know what you mean. And then they'll ask the question again, and I'll say, I'm not getting it. And then about the third time, they'll ask the question like some other ridiculous way. And I'll say, I don't know, must be me. I don't understand the question, so I can't answer it. But the idea of losing is so prevalent right now. What do you think, Dr. Luke? Oh, gosh, what a, what a profound insight. Uh, the, 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 uh, yeah, the aspect of, of, you know, for a lot of people in materialism, all the material goods are all that they have. They look at their material goods as who they are, their individuality is. 
It's they're wrong. It's not. You you are you are a unique being of light that is going to be around forever. You can't. Let me tell everyone out there. You don't get out of this situation with death. Okay, you're not getting out of this with death. It doesn't work that way. You're going to be around forever and ever, and you're going to have your own individual consciousness and that the imagination, I call God the imagination in my book, and I call Christ the activation of that imagination. You're going to have this wonderful gift of consciousness, of awareness, and it's only going to grow and go up higher and higher and higher and higher and higher levels. And just like the Bible says, uh, I have an infinite amount of mansions for you. That, do that doesn't mean that you're going to go up somewhere and there's going to be a bunch of homes for you and you're going to go from home to home to home. It means that God has provided, we have provided for ourselves an infinite amount of consciousnesses, so we states of awareness, so we never go bored. So we never have to go back to base reality where you're sitting there in a white room and you have nothing but yourself for all of eternity. Now be grateful that we were not there, right? That we're not yeah. sitting in a room. Uh, creation was a perfect form of mercy. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't thank you enough. And I, I, I really loved that you were coming on. I've been talking to Linda about it all week long and, you know, just thinking to myself, how do I begin a conversation so that whatever you and I talk about today, we have touched the hearts and the souls of people and they will do something bold today. And what I mean by bold is Bold is whatever that thing is that you have in your own mind not been able to do. Sometimes for me in my life, it was getting off the couch. It could be, yeah, it could be getting out of bed. And it, you've it, done that. It, it, it could be eating a good meal, right? For those that are out there that right. just have the pure nausea of anxiety all the time. Yeah. Just getting down a good meal. But, but you know what? You take that and you extrapolate on it and you go from there because that's a huge victory. You yes, take one huge victory at a time and your, your consciousness and the idea of agape will manifest itself. The book is about manifesting. Yes, it is. The, the, book, the book is about American manifesting and how, uh, how in this country we have the ability to manifest on both the pragmatic and the transcendent levels. Yeah. You know, thank you for today. Last question. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? Well, I, I want to repeat what Philip K. Dick said, that we, we are all sleeping avatars of God with amnesia. Let me repeat that. We are all sleeping avatars of God, comma, with amnesia. I want people to know that their memory is coming back in a big way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.